Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast recording of the Old Testament. Although this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort's been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. I'll be using for the text the Joseph Smith translation of the Old Testament, along with many commentaries from general authorities of the Church, BYU professors, Bible scholars, and others. This format will be very detailed, and so if you want a deep analysis of the Old Testament, you come to the right place. Thanks for your attendance. Hi, welcome back. This will be for Isaiah chapter 28. Verses 1 to 8, Isaiah prophesies the destruction of Ephraim. Modern Ephraim includes the nations of Europe and North America, the inhabitants of which, although generally considered as Gentiles, are a mixture of the tribe of Ephraim. The historical context provides a type for Latter-day events and condition. So this speaks of the destruction of Ephraim. This was probably given around 724 B.C., just two years before Israel was taken captive by Assyria in 721 B.C. Woe to the crown of pride, Samaria, to the drunkards of Ephraim, the leading tribe of the northern ten tribes of Israel about to be captured by Assyria in 726 B.C., out of control with wickedness, whose glorious beauty is a fading flower which are on the head of the fat valleys, rich productive lands of them that are overcome with wine. Behold, the Lord hath a mighty and strong one, shall menace the Assyrian king and his armies, which as a tempest of hail and a destroying storm, as a flood of mighty waters overflowing, shall cast down to the earth with the, with the hand. The Assyrian army will flood the land. The crown of pride, the drunkards of Ephraim, shall be trodden under feet. And the glorious beauty, which is on the head of the fat valley, shall be a fading flower, and is the hasty fruit, Hebrew fruit, first or early fruit, before the summer, which when he that looketh up looketh upon it seeth, while it is yet in his hand, he eateth it up. You will be gobbled up quickly. Verse 5, In that day, a future day, after the scattering of Israel, in the time of preparation for final things, last day's millennium, shall the Lord of hosts be for a crown of glory and for a diadem of beauty unto the residue of his people. In the last days, the remnant of Ephraim will consider the Lord to be beautiful. Also, the Lord's saints will receive crowns of glory. Verse 6, And for a spirit of judgment to him that sitteth in judgment, bishops, and for strength to them that turn the battle to the gate, the Lord will give strength to those who guard the gate to turn back attackers, both physical and spiritual. But they, religious leaders of a later apostasy, who have erred through wine and through strong drink, are out of the way. The priest and the prophet have erred through strong drink. They are swallowed up of wine. They are out of the way through strong drink. They err in vision. They stumble in judgment. That's talking about the apostasy. For all tables are full of vomit and filthiness, so that there is no place clean. Apostasy has completely penetrated the nation. There is only false doctrine. Verses 9 to 13, individuals learn doctrine line upon line. Whom shall he teach knowledge, and whom shall he make to understand doctrine, the humble and righteous, them that are weaned from the milk? Instructions in righteousness must begin with the young, and drawn from the breasts. The basics of the gospel, faith, repentance, baptism, teach while they are young. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. A process started when young, for with stammering lips, missionaries trying to learn a new language, that could be, and another tongue will he speak to his people, through a messenger from another land, maybe America, also the Holy Ghost will speak to them. To whom he said, This is the rest, wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, or restoration, yet they would not hear. But the word of the Lord was upon them, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little, that they may go and fall backward. 
In spite of the Lord's instructing Israel through prophets, many of the people apostatized and be broken and snared and taken. These verses are understood through Second Nephi 28.30. For behold, thus saith the Lord God, I will give unto the children of, of men line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little, and blessed are those who hearken unto my precepts and lend an ear unto my counsel, for they shall, have, they shall learn wisdom. For unto him that receiveth I will give more, and from them that shall say, We have enough, from them shall be taken even that which they have. Elder Maxwell warned of the dangers of this kind of attitude in these words. Events and circumstances in the last days make it imperative for us as members of the church to become more grounded, rooted, established, and settled. Jesus said to his disciples, Settle this in your hearts, that ye will do the things which I shall teach and command you. If not so settled, the turbulence will be severe. If settled, we will not be tossed to and fro, whether by rumors, false doctrines, or by the behavioral and intellectual fashions of the world. Nor will we get caught up in the talk show mentality, spreading, spending our time like ancient Athenians, and nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. Why, why be concerned with the passing preferences of the world anyway? For the fashion of this world passeth away. Such members of the church, he said, give of their time, yet withhold themselves, being present without giving of their presence, and going through the superficial motions of membership instead of the deep emotions of consecrated discipleship. Verses 14 to 22, the overflowing scourge. Wherefore, hear the word of the Lord, ye scornful men, that rule this people which is in Jerusalem. Isaiah switches from the northern kingdom and speaks to Jerusalem in his day. Because ye have said, We have made a covenant with death, and with hell are we at agreement. They incorrectly assume that their covenant with Satan, or the invading army, based on their falsehoods and lies that pass for beliefs, will save them from the impending destructive scourge. That was from Isaiah, the times of fulfillment. When the overflowing scourge... The Assyrian army in our day, a scourge shall go forth. In verse, uh, section 84 it says, For I, the Almighty, have laid my hands upon the nations to scourge them for their wickedness, and plagues shall go forth, and they shall not be taken from the earth until I have completed my work, which shall be cut short in righteousness. The overflowing scourge shall pass through, it shall not come unto us, for we have made lies our refuge, and under falsehood have we hid ourselves. We have found that crime does pay, we have lived wickedly, and give and get away with it. Verse 16, Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion, or the latter-day Zion, for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. In other words, that's Christ. He that believeth shall not make haste. The righteous will not have to flee from the Lord. Verse 17, Judgment also will I lay to the line, and righteousness to the plummet, and the hail shall sweep away the refuge of lies, and the waters shall overflow the hiding place. By these tools will the Lord measure his people. A firmly established building with righteous dwellers will survive sweeping hail and floods. Joseph Smith referred to this verse. He said, The world has had a fair trial for 6,000 years. The Lord will try the 7,000 himself. He whose right it is will possess the kingdom and reign until he has put all things under his feet. Iniquity will hide its hoary head, Satan will be bound, and the works of darkness destroyed. Righteousness will be put to the line, and judgment to the plummet, and he that fears the Lord will alone be exalted in that day. These metaphors refer to personal righteousness. Those whose refuge is lies and whose hiding place is falsehood will be overrun by the invading army, characterized hereby as a sweeping hailstorm that will sweep away the lies and a flood of waters that will overflow every hiding place. 
Verse 18, And your covenant with death, the evil in conspiring people's plans, shall be disannulled, and your agreement with hell shall not stand, when the overflowing scourge shall pass through. Then ye shall be trodden down by it. This presents the outcome of the covenant with Satan made by scornful leaders both in Jerusalem and Ephraim. True to form, Satan's covenant with these wicked rulers will come to naught, and the invading scourge will sweep through, treading them down. That was out of, uh, again, Isaiah, times of fulfillment. So these people are making a bargain here with the devil, and this has a lot to do with uh, the people in our day too, the, the leaders of nations in our day that have made a deal with Satan. Verse 19, From the time that it goeth forth, it shall take you, from morning by morning shall it pass over, by day and by night, and it shall be a vexation only to understand the report. People will be overcome just by hearing about the destruction wrought by the invading army. Referring back to the boast in verse 15 that they could be comfortable in sin, for the bed is shorter than than that a man can stretch himself on it, and the covering narrower than that he can wrap himself in it. You can't get completely comfortable in the bed of sin you've made for yourself to lie in. For the Lord shall rise up as in Mount Perizim. David attacked and smote the Philistines here with the Lord's help. He shall be wroth as in the valley of Gibeon, where the Lord killed Joshua's enemies, the Amorites, with huge hailstones, that he may do his work, his strange work, and bring to pass his act, his strange act. The Lord will defend the latter-day righteous against the overflowing scourge, just as he defended the ancient followers, his ancient followers. Verse 22, Now therefore be ye not mockers, lest, you, lest your bands be made strong, lest you be enslaved by wickedness. For I have heard from the Lord God of hosts a consumption even determined upon the whole, na- the whole earth. I have heard that God will destroy the wicked. Verses 23 to 29 is a parable of the farmer. Give ye ear and hear my voice, hearken and hear my speech. Doth the plowman plow all day to sow? Doth he open and break the clods of his ground? In other words, does the Lord just keep plowing, preparing, etc. forever, or does he go to the next steps, planting, harvesting, etc.? In other words, do you think judgment day will never come, and, the, and that the Lord will never get around to the harvest time? When he hath made plain the face thereof, has the ground plowed and leveled, doth he not cast abroad the fitches, or dill seeds, and scatter the cumin, and cast in the principal wheat, the main crop, and, be, and the appointed barley, and the rye in, the, in their place? God plans carefully and carries it out. For his God doth instruct him to discretion, and doth teach him personal revelation. For the fitches are not threshed with a threshing instrument, neither is a cartwheel turned upon about upon the cumin. In other words, careful harvest methods. But the fitches are beaten out with a staff, and the cumin with a rod. God will use appropriate methods to harvest out the righteous from among the wicked. Bread corn is bruised, because he will not ever be threshing it, nor break it with the wheel of his cart, nor bruise it with his horsemen. This also cometh from the Lord of hosts, which is wonderful in counsel and excellent in working. Uh, The reaping and threshing of the world, as on a farm, will be properly done by the Lord. Isaiah presents the parable of the farmer to illustrate the Lord's unchanging method in bringing his word to nations and peoples of the earth. The process described metaphorically in the parable includes three phases, plowing, sowing, and harvest. Plowing represents the means by which a nation or people is humbled to prepare them to receive the gospel. A nation may be subjected to tyranny, servitude, war, natural disaster, or economic distress. In its humbled state, the nation is more receptive to the good news of the gospel, sown among them by righteous saints living the principles of their religion. First, the sowing or seeding come as a good example, subsequently as more formal teaching. 
The seeding is followed by, by conversion, spiritual growth, and the harvest of souls who have lived their lives in righteousness and are prepared to meet their God, depending on the nature and character of the, of the people. Represented by the various crops mentioned, the Lord has formulated specific methods both for planting or for planting and harvesting. And again, as we talk about the uh, the things that are happening here, that uh, he's not going to just be sowing all the time, but that eventually the prophecies are going to be fulfilled about the destruction of the at the last days. And I think that we're living in that. We've seen plenty of the signs of the times, and uh, we should be awake to the situation here that everything's going to be coming to an end pretty soon. Anyway, that's the end of the chapter, and we'll see you next time. Bye.